This is Jesse Parker and Tommy Niblack. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Faith Show, where we answer the questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. And on today's episode, Jesse and I are joined by our good friend Ruthie Smith as we talk about how to reconcile the relationship between science and God. Hope you're ready. Let's get into it. It is Faith Chair Saturday. <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong. Normally it's Friday, and I say Faith Chair Friday, and it just rolls off the tongue. Faith Chair Friday, whatever day we decide to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is Faith Chair Friday on this lovely Saturday morning, um, and uh, Jesse and I are joined by our good friend Ruthie Smith. It's good to have her here today. Jesse normally will get a haircut at some point, but his hair is getting. I don't. If I'm not preaching, it's looking I'm all right. I'll let it See, go. See, he just. Week. It's all good. <laughs> I got one more week <laughs> before I'm back on. So, and um, and uh, incidentally, that's the exact same reason why I'm wearing. If you were, you could cut my hair. <laughs> you haven't done your hair. Yet. I haven't done my hair either. <laughs> you could cut my hair if I was with you. Like this is getting ridiculous. Uh, trim just to trim the edges. I got you. I got you. <laughs> So we're joined by Ruthie Smith today, and this is going to be a great conversation. This is one that um, we felt like we needed to have, um, especially because the world is is in a tizzy right now. The Christian world is in a tizzy, the church world, I should say, because some are like for the vaccine and others are against it because they believe it is the uh, the beginning of the apocalypse. <laughs> or it's going to usher in, um, usher Jesus back to earth. And so we just wanted to have this talk about science and God and, and how do we reconcile them both. Can you believe in God and science? I know in the historic movie, the actual, the documentary actually of the uh, life of the priest, Nacho Libre, uh, <laughs> he talks about he, his friend, says he doesn't believe in God, he, he believes in science. So um, can there be both? Does it have to be either or, you know, all that good stuff. And, and where you land on it, you know, so to speak. So I, when I was asking Jesse, I was like, do you know anybody who's like a scientist and a believer? He's like, Ruthie. It's like, that's, let's, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ruthie, go ahead and uh, tell tell uh, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. All right. Well, um, I don't know where to start. I guess um, I am a science teacher. I teach biology at a high school in the area. Um, I've been teaching for this is year six, so it's weird because I kind of still consider myself to be a baby teacher, but at the oh. same time, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm not anymore, and that's really right. strange. Cause it still feels like the beginning. Um, cause you love it. I, oh, absolutely. I, yeah, absolutely love it. Um, and I've been a Christian, I don't know. I grew up in the church, so it's always been something that's around it, I kind of made it personal when I was in middle school and, um, youth group was a big influence in my life, which is again, high school. Um, I had some some really, really awesome people in my life, awesome adults um, when I was in middle school and high school. And I mean, not that it was easy because being a teenager is never easy, um, <laughs> but I feel like I had some really good people that kind of made it easier for me. And being in youth group and being 
um, around those adults was really, really good for me. And I wanted to be hopefully one of those adults for kids today, um, which is what kind of charged me and guide me towards high school science because I love science and I love kids, um, but also guide me towards youth ministry and stuff like that. So I, I don't know if that's enough of a snippet, but that's, that's yeah, we don't need your list of you don't need my life story. Degrees and your uh, your. When I was five. You need all the resume points or anything. Right. That's that's totally good. You know, and one thing I'll say about Ruthie is she's she's one of those psychotic people who just loves to be around teenagers. <laughs> like she goes from teaching high school all day, then she'll go coach the swim team. Plus, she wants to come like be one of the leaders in our youth group. And that's like funny. she's one of those like very special gifted people. I just you're a unicorn, Ruthie. I just realized this. People who love to serve in children's ministry on Sunday, like the, the two rarest people. <laughs> I sat on an Instagram live for an hour with one of our teens last night. Just oh, did you? Yeah, I was with Carla last night. She was just talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what is it? Like what? who did it for you that made you want to do it for somebody for for other teams um, yeah so i had some really really good youth pastors um that I don't, I don't know i think a lot of it and a lot of why i love hanging out with teenagers is it's just fun and i i love the the young like i don't know free spirit of i'm gonna you know kind of choose whatever i want but at the same time i'm really reserved because i'm nervous about what people think of me thing i don't know why i love that i just do (laughs) um (laughs) um, but i had some really good youth pastors and they just wanted to hang and they wanted to know about me and influence my life and that was really special and i had friends that weren't in you know a church and didn't have these kind of adults around them and kind of watched them have a difficult time again not that high school was easy for me i mean high school is never that easy um there's all sorts of stuff that happens in high school but i had adults that when i made really dumb decisions they were like hey we love you don't do that that's a really dumb maybe stop doing that yeah um and it was a it was a really important thing so that's cool 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 so so let's jump into it so i mean so you grew up in the church Right. Mm-hmm. So you have a strong background in, in, in faith principles and all that kind of stuff. And then like, what, at what point did you decide that you wanted to pursue science as, as a, as a focus, as a teacher and, and, and how have you gone about uh, balancing the two? Yeah. So I grew up in the church and, you know, ha- have a relationship with Jesus. He's, he's it. Um, and it was really funny because it, I was thinking about this last night as I was getting ready. Um, and a lot of people have that kind of faith wrestling that they do of, well, I'm a Christian and I believe these things and the Bible says this, but science is this. And how do I, how do I, you know, have both? And I don't really remember having that wrestling thought until I was in college and I was in the middle of studying it. Um, I loved science classes in high school and middle school. I remember the first thing I, I, the first class I really got excited about for science was my seventh grade science class and we were studying the weather. And I just thought it was the coolest thing to go outside and kind of measure the bariatric pressure and look at the clouds and 
Um, you could have been a meteorologist. You would have made a lot more money. <laughs> I wanted to that, actually. I actually and in the Northwest, you only have to be right about 33% of the time. Right. 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 It might be raining right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> it might be raining. Pretty percent chance it's actually raining. Right. Um, Somewhere it's raining right now. Right. Actually, I thought about being a meteorologist for a long time. Um, I don't remember why I decided not. I don't know. It, it's always strange because thinking back into the classes I took, in middle school and high school, it was like that class that I was in, that's what I wanted to say. I was like, okay, I want to be a meteorologist. And then I got to high school biology and I was like, oh man, I want to do something in bi I want to study, you know, animals or I want to study genetics or I want to yeah, study this. Right, right. And then I hit high school chemistry and that was the, that was it. I loved chemistry. Um, mostly because it was in my head at the time, you know, you can break everything down, anything that exists into the component atoms. And so that, to me, that was like, how do things work from the atomic and the molecular level? And I wanted to know that. Yeah. Um, so I went into call and then the year after that I took physics and it was hard and I was like, nope, I'm not doing physics. Um, no, this is where I stop. I get off the train here. Too much math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then I went into college and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a chemistry major. Um, I'm going to major in chemistry um, just because, again, I, I wanted to know the atomic and the molecular level and how things interacted and how things worked. Um, and then I got to chemistry in college and was like, whoa, this is intense. I don't know if I want to know exactly at this level. Let's zoom out a little bit here. <laughs> and started studying biology. And that's where it clicked just because there's so many different areas of biology that I just find fascinating. You can study the interaction between, you know, plants and animals, animals and humans. You can look at, you know, what's in our DNA? How do cells work? How, um, what is the history of all living things, which is kind of bringing it back to the faith part of it is that's where it seems to have a little, you know, budding heads of For sure. the science and the, and the faith. Um, and I was really, really lucky to go to a Christian college. I went to Seattle Pacific University. Um, and I was surrounded by professors that not only didn't say, well, you can't believe this, you know, this is, this is you know, science says this, so your faith is wrong. Um, because they were all Christian too. I mean, that's yeah. part of being at Seattle Pacific was they have a statement of faith that you have to sign. And most of your professors are Christian. Um, and so it was never like, you can't be a Christian or, um, it was never, we're going to teach you these things, but ignore it because Christianity says this, it was, we want you guys, the art, you, we want our students to figure out where they land on their own. Mm -hmm. And we're going to give you the, we're going to present this information to you on both of terms. We'll present the Christian side and we'll present the science side and you guys get to wrestle with it. It's up to you. We're not going to tell you where to land. Um, and looking back, I'm so thankful for that because um, it allowed me to kind of sit back and say, okay, what is the evidence that I'm getting from these classes? What are these things that I'm being taught? And how can I, while I study the word, figure out where I'm landing? Mm -hmm. um, and along with that, you know, they allowed us to ask questions, they allowed us to say, well, what do you think? Yeah. Um, and it, it was a really, really great experience. So I'm very thankful for where I went to college. I'm very thankful 
um, for the education that I got, but I'm also really thankful that they gave us the freedom to. So what was the rub for you um, when you when you were in college? Like so, what was it that you were like, oh shoot, wait a second. It almost felt like I was expected to believe creationism as a Christian. Like, this is what the Bible says. This is what the word says. Right. Um, But hearing the scientific evidence for evolution and knowing how science worked um, was like, how, how do you reconcile the Bible saying, you know, it's only this many thousand years old, but we have fossils from, you know, 70 billion years ago, 80 billion years ago. Yeah. How do you reconcile that? Because the science is so clear about where these fossils came from. Um, and evolution isn't something that's like, this is fact. Right. Um, and a lot of science actually isn't, this is fact. And I think that's a big misconception that a lot of people have is, you know, science says these things and people are like, well, that's fact, it can't change. The more information that scientists get, the more it changes. I mean, our view, our kind of um, model of, of what an atom is has changed immensely over the last 50, 100 years even as we have new technology and as we have scientists that study it. Um, we used to think that atoms were just, you know, electrons with a nucleus in the middle. And now we've got protons, we've got neutrons, we've got um, quirks and all the, all these other different particles yeah. that we have just from studying science. Um, so science isn't this like hard fact, nothing can change. The more information, the more that we discover, the more that our theories and our ideas change in science. Um, and that was also kind of really hard to reconcile too, because the Bible says, you know, this is it, this is, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. This was created on this day. This was created on this day. So with that idea, things should be pretty concrete and the same, right? <laughs> but then scientists would come and present this new research that they have. And it was like, oh, well, that our ideas of this changed. Um, so I guess looking at science and looking at the other thing about science that people don't necessarily understand is that it's not just a person saying, well, I found this, so this is fact. You all have to believe it. Right. Um, scientist is peer, or science is peer reviewed. So what happens is somebody presents their findings and they say, I found this. This is what my research says. This is what I found. And the scientific community from scientists all over the world, like right now this right. is happening with COVID even. Right. Um, as they're finding new vaccines and finding out new things about COVID, scientists take that and they say, oh, you found this. I'm going to replicate this experiment exactly. I'm going to do this exactly in my own lab with my own materials. And if it comes out similar or it comes out um, in a way that confirms it, yeah. then we know it's more likely, you know, and this happens many, 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 many times. Scientists do these different experiences our experiments um, all the time. And the more that it comes out and a scientist does it and they get the same results, that's when we're like, okay, this is something that is true. And this is right. something that we know to be correct. 
Um, and I think a lot of people think that scientists are just people that sit in a chair or, or do their research and say, behold, I found this, it must be true. And that then it's fact. And that's not, that's not it at all. Right. So, or like they're out to, for a lot of Christians or they're out to specifically there's a conspiracy. Right. God is wrong and all stuff like that. We're and not then, to prove God wrong. Right. Which, to be fair, some scientists have that agenda. True. You know, and, and that can cloud results. But they're also, they're, they want to do that from uh, a standpoint of being, you know, their, their research having integrity. Mm -hmm. So while that may be their motive, like they're just, they're trying to find truth and yeah. they're hoping. Exactly. That and that's, that's always really hard to do. I mean, we want it to have integrity and we want, don't want it to have bias. Um, but sometimes as a person, that's really hard to do, yeah. um, in any area, not only science, but, you know, psychology or other areas of, of study, it's really, really hard to remove human bias from it. But that's, again, another reason why, um, I think I love, I get so geeked out about the scientific process. Like, oh my God, all these scientists are going to go do all these experiments. And if they get the same results, this is so great. Um, because having different people with different backgrounds in different places do that experiment over and over and over again helps take away that bias right mm, right yeah because they're looking to see if what was submitted is actually right exactly and then if it if it comes out differently they haven't set out to necessarily prove that they just wanted to see if it is actually what it was said to be yeah, yeah. and uh, one of the really big ones that they that I can think of off the top of my head of, of experience because that happens all the time. Yeah. Scientists will present something and people will do the experiment and they'll be like, no, this isn't a true, like we're not getting the same results. You need to either go back and look at your methods or you need to go back and look at your analysis or something um, that I think a lot of people can um, hmm. that know about right now is the anti-vaxxers and that vaccines cause autism. Right. Um, because that was a finding from a scientist and he wrote this paper and was like, hey, I think that vaccines cause autism and cause all of these problems. And all of these scientists went back and did their own research and looked at um, you know, vaccine history and vaccine, um, how do vaccines work and trials and results from different people and were like, no, dude, you skewed your data wrong. This is absolutely incorrect. Wow. And that paper that he wrote that um, vaccines cause autism has now been pulled from whatever publication it was in and the whole scientific community regards that as like, no, this dude is wrong because so many scientists went back and looked at his data and did their own research and did their own experiments and was like, no, this is, this is wrong. This is not science. You got yeah. it off, dude. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was watching, I don't remember what it was. It was a while ago. I was watching, I was watching some show and they were talking about, uh, uh, like people's opinions about MSG. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They were talking about how like some some random uh, doctor or something like way back in, I don't know, like the 50s or something had published this. It was it wasn't even I mean, he it, he published it like it was a, a scientific research paper, but really it was just his opinion based on on his observations of how he and people he knew reacted to eating Asian food. Mm -hmm. And so he was the one who started this idea that like MSG uh you know has these yeah. effects and you'll be you know it makes you to be hungry you know a little just a short while later and, and so there's and then like science has shown like no there's nothing wrong with msg but this idea has persisted 
yep. because it started so far uh, uh, long ago. It's been passed down through several generations now. Wow. And the other and, big one is uh, GMOs. A lot of people come out, and I, I think it's a big misconception again, like MSG. People think GMO, oh, they hear it must be bad for me. It must be something, you know, genetically modified. That sounds scary. And they think of, you know, us genetically modifying DNA and having um, eugenics and babies being born with the way we want it. And we can, that's not, that's not what happens. They're not doing this in a way to hurt people. A lot of times genetically modified, I mean, the, any food you get at the store is probably genetically modified. And that's not to say they're making mutant corn or they're making, you know, all they did was they take a little piece of, G of DNA. It's, it's kind of like how the mRNA vaccines, and I can go into how the, that all works right. in a little bit. Um, but they just take a piece of DNA and they put it in to the corn. And this, this is a piece of DNA that says, I'm going to be resistant to the pesticides that are used around me so that when the pesticides get sprayed, everything else, all the weeds and stuff around me die, but the corn lives. And so they can grow this corn that lives and is able to grow around these pesticides and therefore the farmers make more money. Mm -hmm. And it's not anything that's going to hurt you. It's not anything that, you know, you eat it and somehow you're going to become mutant. Um, that's not how it works. And, and I think you are really freeing up. You're either freeing my mind or messing with me too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true because, like the only, the only and correct me if I'm wrong, Ruthie, but like the only difference between what what farmers have done for centuries mm -hmm. and what they call GMOs now is that they're able to do this in a laboratory without exactly. having to take three decades of splicing mm -hmm. uh, even the strains of corn to get because yeah, because yeah, and that's one of the reasons they talk about why. Uh, we need to protect the diversity in plant life because like we never, you never know some bug may come along right. that, that a lot of wheat crops are prone to. And if exactly. we don't have some of the ancient strains that may have a resistance to that, to be able to go in a lab and find that gene and bring in that modification, the world could lose all its wheat crops and we'd all starve. Like, exactly. Um, and so um, uh, our agriculture has been doing it for centuries. I was going to say, they have to do it the slow way. In a lab, you know, farmers would say, well, I like the traits from this, you know, we're just going to corn or wheat. I like the traits from this strain of corn or wheat, but I want this kind of corn or wheat for taste. So what they do is they cross them, right? Cross pollination. They take, right. you know, either the sperm or the egg from, from this uh, kind of corn or wheat, and they cross it with the sperm or the egg from this one. And it's, it's just called, it's called hybrid fertilization. Um, and that's considered to be genetically modified because it's not just naturally letting, you know, nature take its course of which ones are getting crossed and reproducing. The genetically modified. So yeah, right. <laughs> Your so, poodle's genetically modified. Like we've been messing with genetics so forever. I, this is not a. Uh, this is not for me as much as it's for people who who may listen, mm -hmm. uh, or who will listen. God, it seems like God said, and Jesse and I have, have talked about this recently, like God set this stuff here, almost like play, like when you're playing with Play-Doh and you take the different color Play-Dohs and you just put them together and like he put it out there for us to figure out how it works and, and how to use it and, and almost even how to make it better. 
So I love that you said that because yes, that was going to be something that I'd say a lot of, I think people are scared of science because they're like, well, God set it up this way. We shouldn't mess with it. Right. Um, God wanted it to be this way. So we shouldn't touch it. We're just living here. And I really think that I think of science as not as like this big enemy of God and, you know, trying to prove God wrong. I think of it as this is how God works. I, I fully believe as a scientist and I know that I know other scientists you know, my professors in college, other scientists at different institutes. Um, I don't know if he's still there, but there's a professor. I, oh, I can't remember his name, but he's the head guy at the National Institute of Health. Mm-hmm. So there's scientists in all these high ranking, high, big labs that are Christians as well. It's not that you have to be an atheist to, to be a scientist. <laughs> You're a cross of all. Well, that's, but that's what people get taught in church, right? And so yeah. this conflict right that, that that is actually very new mm-hmm. because you don't you know if you go far you know back to really what we would call the enlightenment mm-hmm. yeah it was the point at which scientists begin to diverge from faith up until that point most at least in western science were you know you were christian and you were a scientist yeah there wasn't no this idea of like atheism wasn't yeah. really a thing yet and then the enlightenment happened and ever since then there's been this this divergent this diversion that has then become conflict um as you've seen education change i think part of the reason people have a problem is that i mean ruthie and you probably do this in your class you did a great job of explaining like what science is but i think in a lot of curriculum and a lot of teachers they're not teaching the students that hey this stuff is subject to change we we change our ideas as we go they they teach it as this is science you're right fact you're right and and a lot of times uh, whether consciously or subconsciously, uh, they will use that whatever the current belief system is in science to to challenge people's faith. Yeah, so like, I, that's oh, the first lesson. Don't have good do. science teachers who are like, that's you know, the first lesson I do. Might change in ten years, you know, this might. That's the first lesson I say. How does science work? Okay, we're going to talk about science. You're in science class now. How does this work? We talk about the scientific method. We talk about. Um, how science works, why we do it this way. Science is open to change as we find out new information. Um, That's like my whole first unit for all of my classes. How does science work? Because a lot of times people go into a science class and they sit down and the teacher starts to teach them, Um, which I mean, I I totally get because we're on a time schedule and you've got to get through A, B, C, D, E, F before Christmas break. Like we are stuck. And we have to teach what the state mandates. And then there's a test at the end. And if you don't pass the test, you know, you might not be able to graduate and all, all this crazy stuff that's all around teaching. But I think it's really important for kids to to understand and to critically think about what we're learning about to know how science works. And going back to the whole faith thing, I don't think of it as science is trying to disprove God wrong. I think science is God created the heavens and the earth, and this is how it's working. This is, you know, um, if you look at the creation story and you look side by side at, you know, the Big Bang, which is another big hot topic, things that Christians don't believe. If you look at the timeline and you take kind of the years out of it and you just look at like, okay, first dust appeared and then um, the dust was rolled together and created planets. And you look at the order of when things came about to be in terms of the life story of 
both the Big Bang and the Genesis right, account, right. they line Water up. Water from land, and then came the vegetation, then exactly. came the animals, then came man. You take the time out, and all of it lines up. Yeah, wow. It yeah. all matches each other. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, that's that's really the that's really the only point of major conflict right. if you really break it down between between Christian faith and science. Well, probably any faith because most religions they have a origin story, right? Mm -hmm. They they have some version of how things came to be. That's one of the core purposes of a religious belief system. Mm -hmm. um, but between Christianity and science is the issue of Genesis. There's not really anything else in the Bible that that like deals with something that science. I mean, other than the miracles, which yeah. you know, because we believe in God, we're like, yeah, of course that doesn't make sense scientifically. He did something supernatural, but that exactly. was just one moment in time. It's not something that you know carried on. And so, like, that's really the that's really the one thing, and really the only thing science uh, 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 claims to be able to prove at this point yeah. is that the literal belief that everything was created in seven days is not true that's it none of the rest of it can necessarily be disproved by science mm -hmm. it's just that this couldn't have happened in seven days well it, yeah it couldn't have happened in seven days and it couldn't have happened according to a biblically chrono biblical chronology only yeah. you know a few thousand years ago that's the it. other thing that has a lot of conflict is and I think there's a lot of misconceptions. And evolution is one of my favorite things to teach. It's one of my favorite things. I just find it so fascinating that they go back in time and they have these bone structures that they can find of, you know, these whale species that were once on land. Mm -hmm. They look back million, you know, 50 billion, 60 billion years ago, and there were whale structures that were on land. And as they evolved, they have all of these intermediate forms in the middle so I, don't like it. I don't like it one bit. <laughs> <laughs> I find that extremely fascinating. Um, but if you have a creationist view of the world, yeah. you believe, you know, God created the heavens and the earth in seven days. That doesn't necessarily doesn't line up with being right. able to say, well, they had these whale species that were on land and then they evolved over time and now they're in the water. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You kind yeah, of think, for, oh, for me, that's one of the is, is that like, Christians, the way Christians, I think, conceive of God, and I think that goes back to Genesis, is this idea of like things were fully formed in a day. Already. We 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 negate the 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 idea and really the truth, if you were paying attention to it, that God creates systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like even 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 if you believe the seven-day creation story, you have to understand that like he created a system. They yeah. create clouds and rain and evapor evaporation and mm -hmm. he created systems of the the plates and the way the earth works so there's volcanoes and earthquakes and different things natural and people that's why i hate it when people are like oh oh right. hurricane karina was god's judgment against new orleans is like no that's just a system that creates like God, God created the system in that area and then of course yeah. adam and eve broke the world which brought in the negative sides of those systems mm -hmm. but and that's like the scripture where God says, you know, I, I formed you in your mother's womb. It's like, I don't, if you took an honest, logical approach to how, you know, you, babies can be born with alcohol, fetal syndrome, mm -hmm. okay, like, obviously what we do on the outside can affect the fetus in ways God wouldn't want it Definitely. to. Definitely. So oh, yeah. You, you'd be like, wait, if I just think of it like God created the system by which babies are born, then he can say, I formed you in your mother's womb. But that doesn't mean he's individually creating each individual, like, 
And, and, then, and then I right think now. is where some creating a baby. <laughs> That's where I think some of the disconnect happens is just the way that we, like you when God says, God God put on seven days yeah. and then say, okay, ding, 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 it's done. No more, no changes. Yeah. Like, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, or like when God you know, said, let there be, you know, beasts of the field. Like that doesn't, if you take out the day thing, mm -hmm. why, like, why does that, that doesn't mean that it had to all like, fully form in one way well the but doesn't the bible also say you know a day in god's time is a thousand years elsewhere yeah, yeah. like for sure yeah there's a lot of different ways there's to, a lot yeah. of different literary ways of how to tell time in the bible yeah. so that could have even been moses moses misunderstanding initially oh yeah and then him gaining understanding well can later. you imagine god coming down and being like yo moses i'm gonna tell you how it all started Right. I took this atom and I put it together and I manipulated its DNA and it started off as one embryo and then the cells grew right. three days, four days. And then right. like, what the heck are you talking about? God? Like they didn't right. have <laughs> the language back then to end. They didn't have the knowledge of it back then. Right. Um, right. And yeah. so of course yeah. the, the creation story doesn't have these details in it because they didn't know about this stuff back then. They didn't have even, this. Even, why, were we, why were we ever so scared even of that? It, even when it comes to the law, yeah. there's so much in the law that God didn't bother to uh, explain for us, right. why he was making it. We, underst we understand now, like, okay, if there's somebody in the camp who has this issue going on, they need to put out, be put outside because we understand how viral stuff works. Exactly. We understand how bacteria and infections yeah. spread. Like, he couldn't describe all that to them because they didn't have the 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 vocabulary or the science or the knowledge yet to understand that, but, but, but he needed them to follow these rules because he knew that that would help them be healthier. Exactly. Right? And so like now today we look, we can look back on the law, the Levitical law, and we can see all of the truth and the value science. in it. And yeah. then, but we can also understand why people 6,000 years ago wouldn't have been able to understand why. Mm -hmm. And so God just was like, I just need you to do what I'm going to tell you. Right. Yeah. And yeah. If you apply that reasoning to, to Genesis, it's like, yeah. And it's just, it's funny. Like I just had that realization like, oh yeah, the really the only conflict is between, between the Bible, faith, Christianity, and science outside of miracles is, 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 is the seven day creation story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that it would be seven calendar days. And that was one of the big realizations I had when I was in college and trying to reconcile evolution and the creation story was going back and looking at it and saying, okay, where are my issues here? The only really big issue was, was timing. And, you know, you think about how the Bible was written. It was written by man. This wasn't God, you know, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to send it down through the tubes of the, the, the heavens and it lands on right in front of Moses' feet. There you go, Moses. Like, Heavenly no, it was written by man and it was right. written by man 6,000 years ago. And man doesn't understand the way of God. Mm -hmm. um, so he, I think of it kind of the parallels in my head, um, kind of like Native Americans have oral stories of their histories, right? Because right. Moses didn't even necessarily write this down. These were oral stories that were told mm -hmm. to people over and over. And as you, if you've ever, you know, gossiped about something to someone else, the story changes or you play the game telephone and you're telling people things, it changes as you tell the story. Right. So what we even have written down in the Bible might not even be the original thing that, you know, whoever first told the story even said. Um, so I kind of look at the Bible as this literary guide of how to live a Christian life, but keeping in mind in the back of my head, this was written by man and this is written down oral stories that happened over thousands of years mm -hmm. so it's not 
something that, you know, God said, this is how it was done. This is written down by man after being told over and over and over again after all these years. In the midst of the conversation, uh, we missed an opportunity for a little bit of correction here. And uh, we wanted to take a moment and make it clear to our listeners uh, what our theology is regarding the Word of God. And uh, the version expressed by Ruthie in this interview is one that is uh, more and more common and, and popular among people. And uh, the problem with that particular view is that when we start introducing ideas that God's word is fallible because it was introduced, written down by, recorded, uh, uh, twisted by oral uh, tradition over time before it was written down, creates the dilemma for Christians and believers of what and how do I know which parts are from the Lord and which are from men. And that has led to um, branches of Christianity and branches of theology uh, where people have been able to cherry pick what they want to believe and what they don't want to believe in the word of God. And uh, that is part of the reason why we find it fundamentally necessary to understand, as the word says, that all scripture is inspired by God's spirit. And what that means is, regardless of how long this had been an oral tradition, regardless of the fact that it, when it comes to creation, uh, Moses was not there when it happened, although we mostly believe that he was the one who wrote Genesis, uh, what we understand is that the Holy Spirit uh, inspired. In other words, it was God, just like he would through prophets, uh, who communicated his word, his version um, and therefore the accurate, truthful version of events to uh, those people in the Bible who are writing not about things that they had personally witnessed, like in the Gospels, but about history that they weren't alive for, such as Genesis. And so we want to be clear for our listeners. Uh, we do believe that what is written in Genesis chapter 1 is exactly what God intended to be written. However, as we express in the podcast in this episode, we don't necessarily mean that the, know or, or intend or believe that the six-day creation story is meant to be taken as literally six calendar days. Um, and there's many other options to how we can interpret that idea uh, in correspondence to what science says about the origins of things on our planet. To be able to both believe in science and what has been shown to be through, uh, true through scientific exploration, but also believe in the biblical narrative and that God was the originator and creator of everything that science finds. Uh, we hope that that helped clarify a few things as we move forward in this conversation. And uh, we thank you uh, for continuing to listen. But why would he, especially seeing that he would want us, like Paul realized creation, creation without God having to say anything, creation really speaks of his glory and his majesty right yeah i was gonna uh, i was gonna pull up that yeah it's in romans chapter one and this is this was kind of the point i made in the book like i was like i saw this verse and i was like so essentially uh science and this is the point i make in the book science is theology mm -hmm. because science is the study of the truth of creation of everything that we can see taste touch ex you know 
however, which whatever instrument uh, observed mm -hmm. and God is the creator. And this is what it says in Romans chapter one, verse 19 and 20 it says they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So his character, they have no excuse for not knowing God. So if creation speaks to the the, the character of, of God, mm -hmm. which is what theology is, the study of God, yeah. then the study of creation is the study of God. Yeah. So science is theology. I think the only problem that Christians have is the the uh, the deductions or the theories, the conclusions sometimes the scientists make from their discovery. Like, okay, you discovered truth, but then you put your idea You're of what right. that truth may You're be. And right. without God in the worldview, sometimes those conclusions uh, aren't aren't uh, sympathico with Christianity. And so, but it's so stupid. But why, then, but why? then we discount we discount the truth of the discovery. Right. Whereas I'm like you, Ruthie, I'm, I, I read these articles and stuff on, on my timeline or in my news feed and stuff like that. And not social media, but like my mm -hmm. actual news feed. And I'm just like, I'm fascinated by that stuff. It's because to me, me that like, speaks to the incredible nature of God. Who right. created God did, like this is the system that God set in motion to have all. And it just blows my mind. Anytime like yeah. I'm talking, I'm teaching my kids and like in the back of my head, I'm like, this is how you did it, God. Like what the heck this is crazy and then like sometimes i'm like thinking we're all gonna get to heaven and i'm i'm really gonna sit down with god and be like okay how much of it did we actually have figured out and how much of it were you sitting up in heaven laughing at us because we had bits and pieces and you're like you don't even know right right like, right probably a lot of laughing <laughs> right <laughs> like oh my god flat earthers you guys had me cracking ah! up <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you guys don't even know. There's oh like 500 years where people were afraid they were going to fall off the edge. We were laughing See, up here. We were laughing. And that's the dumb thing for me because it's like <laughs> the people who are so staunch in that one view, like the flat earthers, or they're the fact don't, that they're don't still even flat talk, earthers. Right. Is, is right. Don't even talk to me about science. God is it is is a testament to the fact that they are really saying, I don't really want to have a relationship with God. Because God will show me how much I don't know about him. Or flip side, because I think this is really prevalent in evangelical Christianity. We are, a lot of people teach from, from evangelical Christianity that questioning anything isn't okay. Thank you. Yeah. This is your faith. You don't question it. Right. You don't go in there and say, you know, but God, how did this work? Or God, you know, I don't know if I agree with this passage or like people just kind of point blank take it. This is my Bible. This is the word of God. This is what it's like. Questioning to doubting. And so and much of science sense. is questioning. So much of so much science, science is taking what somebody said and saying, is this really true? Is this right. something that, yeah. is this how the world works? Yeah. And I think a lot of people in Christianity are scared to say that. Are there, Ruby. they're scared to and then, question. And then the scripture says, he wants us to search yes. out his mystery. Yeah. He wants us to explore right. the mystery of the height and the depth and the width and the breadth. Mm -hmm. He, the Bible says, you know, said it's it, the yeah. glory of of God to hide a thing, and the glory of kings to search it out. Yeah. So he yeah. he wants Solomon. us out of yeah. desire to know him to actually to search and and like you said, that requires you to you have to ask questions of the status quo. Otherwise, you're not going to be searching. You're going to you're going to stay in the box. Did you hear yeah. did you hear her description of how how a, a finding is taken by the rest of the community 
and 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 re check, and reprove check, it or yeah, check. Yeah, check. Yeah. What? I don't know if you thought about this, but I I could not stop thinking about why doesn't the body of Christ do that? Right. Why can't we do that with all these prophecies that were coming out. You know what I'm saying? That's what the I mean. The scientific method. The Bible says right. like two or three prophesy, and everyone else. But we don't judges do that. and analyzes those yeah. words. To I think so many people are so afraid to be wrong in Christianity and so afraid because it's tied together for a lot of people with their salvation. And if somebody says something that you don't know is true, you start to question, well, am I saved? Is this, right. you know, am I, am I still going to go to heaven? Is that, do I know God? You know, and it, it, that's kind of scary for people. I think. Yeah. That people are really, really scared of losing their salvation because they don't understand what salvation is. Yeah. And they don't understand that, you know, it's it's okay to question it. God actually says, go ahead and question it. Go ahead, you know, search me. See what I see what I know. Look at the the mysteries. But so many people are so scared of being wrong and they're so scared of losing their faith and losing their salvation. Yeah. that they don't question things they don't uh, you know have the discussions you want to know wow. where that comes from is it comes from the fact that so much of western christianity is knowledge based and not relationship based yes well that's that's, so, the and that's the problem like they they're only willing to accept what they can understand about yeah. god yeah and there here's here's a here's a straight up re i mean god says his ways are higher than ours his yeah. thoughts are higher than ours right the scary part for a lot of Christians who have their relationship with God based in knowledge mm -hmm. is that what if we discover something in science that we can't reconcile with what we know about God? Mm -hmm. That would be a crisis for them. Right. But I mean, when you're relationship based, you're just like, oh, that's one of those unknowable, like, okay, I'm not going to be able to fully comprehend this God that's right. because you're God. And but I totally get why that's scary. Every single thing that I've had that it's been like a well, I don't know if I can reconcile this with my faith. I don't know if that's something that I can, you know, put together. What if I lose God? Every single time that's happened, it's only brought me closer to God. Yeah. See? Yeah. The understanding has been like, oh my gosh, this is incredible, God. Like, you did this. You put this in motion. This is how this works. That's and literally what you explained when you were explaining how the scientific community goes back and checks a finding that another scientist had. It doesn't push them if if it's proven wrong or proven right or proven proven to be something against what they initially thought. They don't quit science. Yeah. They're not like, oh, I'm done. I was wrong. I hate <laughs> science now. Oh crap! They proved me wrong. No, they dig in deeper. It brings them yeah. into a closer. Oh yeah. You know, they they find out new information about you know we had this theory about the atom and how how it was built, and then they find out about you know protons and. The scientists didn't just say, well, I'm a bad scientist, so I'm going to quit. They went back and they were like, oh, you found this. I'm going to go and see if I can find it, too. And then I'm going to learn more about it. Ru Ruthie, did you watch did you watch the movie Radioactive on Prime, Amazon Prime? Wait, there's a movie. I love radioactivity. Sorry. I love like so it's, it's about it's about <laughs> the, the lady and her husband who like discovered. Oh, Mercury. Yeah, that's nuts because they were like, "Ooh, this glows and they were wearing the stuff. 
she was like jewelry. Fresh. Yeah. And then they were they all getting died. and dying because yeah. we discovered that, but they didn't know what it meant. They didn't know what it did to the body. Oh, shoot. And so like, yeah, you see this progression of discovery. You're like, that's it. To us, it's insane that right, they would right. be like, oh, look at glowing. Because we know that glowing is bad now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, you know, if it, if it makes you glow in the dark, it's bad. But they didn't know that. They were fascinated <laughs> by the new discovery. Don't drink it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she literally died finding this thing that was so fascinating to her right. and, and her husband, Murray Curie, and was like, I'm going to devote my life. She, she died devoting her life to, to this discovery. And I think that is insane to me. I don't know. Like, that's really challenging to me. I don't know if I would like, yeah. well, but at the same time, if it's something I'm passionate about, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to, you know, what say about the guy who invented dynamite. I mean that's Christianity, yeah. right? We're supposed his, to his like his like assistant got the credit for himself up, right? <laughs> like that's what happens in science, and that's another reason. Some I think some people also have a, a like a negative as Christians, right? Because we're like the truth, right? Is is the fact that science changes over time? So it's like, well, I can't trust what you say today because you're gonna say something. Different. And we saw that with COVID. who didn't understand the scientific yeah. process who didn't understand that this was i mean it was just so annoying people constantly like well it says on the box coronavirus it's like <laughs> this is a different strain that's why it's 19 covid 19 like it was like, drive you crazy yeah, but you realize yeah, people I, don't they don't understand they don't understand how the, the government because the government well politics aside the government handled this like terribly yes right but I think part of that had to do with the fact that scientists were learning about COVID as, you know, normal lay people were. So yeah. we were going off of what we knew at the time COVID was and how it worked and how it, you know, multiplied and how it infected people. So all this stuff at the beginning, scientists were learning it at the exact same time as the general public. Yeah, yeah. And not knowing how science works, I could see why people would be really upset and, you know, yeah. being told they didn't have to wear a mask at the beginning. And then hearing, oh, just kidding, you should be wearing a mask. It's like, just, oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Just no, kidding. we didn't know what we were talking about because basically it was a, a one year, we saw an accelerated process right. of the scientific method. Oh, yeah. And, and in, a, in a very public, um, you know, mass produced news cycle way. Yep. And, and, and that was shocking to people because usually that stuff happens we don't see behind, behind closed scenes, doors. Right. It's only published in academic journal. Like, you don't see it. You just, you get you get Tylenol. You didn't right. see the twenty five years of research and trial and error and and everything. You that go happened to the doctor to get you and you get your polio vaccine. Yeah. You don't know the you know years and years and years it took for the polio vaccine to get developed. Yeah, and this and, was all crunched down to a year. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you just go to the doctor, they shoot you up, and then you're good, right? Like. So can we let's talk about the mRNA and and yeah. what, and the components of the of the vaccine and the science behind all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of Christians. I mean, I don't know if it's how much is changing now, but a lot of Christians are like, "No, they're trying to implant the mark of the beast in you." And all. so, I, so sorry, I just laugh because I think that is the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. I'm sorry yeah. if I insult anyone who's listening, but like, the think about 
I don't know if anyone's ever seen a vial of things that get injected to you. Maybe you have diabetes and you, you get insulin injected injections or, you know, you're just at the doctor getting your flu shot. They have these tiny little vials that they put the needle in and they draw up liquid. And you think about the needle, how are you going to fit a microchip or the mark of the beast or whatever it is in a liquid that's going to get drawn up by this skinny, skinny little needle? Like, it's that, nanotech, Ruthie. Okay, have you not watched the Sci-Fi Channel? Oh. <laughs> nanotechnology it's is not in the Bible. So. Nanotechnology is in the Bible. I control my brain. <laughs> there is no microchip that is small. Like I googled this because people were like, "They're going to inject a chip into me or whatever." There is no microchip that is small enough to be drawn up by the skinny little noodle noodle needle and be put into you like they just the technology is not there yeah. microchips are not small enough well not that they publicize ruthie they, you're not gonna be able to find on google we're talking about the hidden you know uh, the dark the, web the shadow no, you're joking but of, i, I think the illuminati a really like... important part <laughs> is that a lot of people that report on science and a lot yeah. of you know these news things i don't know if the the news the journalistic community also has a good understanding of what science is or right. you know these, these media outlets i don't think they understand no they just want, they just want the sexy headline they just want the, the yeah, they just want the click which unfortunately right now it, you know even science has shown that fear will get you the most clicks and right so that's what oh, yeah. that's what is getting peddled um and that's unfortunate because it, it misleads people because people don't know yeah so, People don't know these things and they're not willing to find out. And then, you know, they said about conspiracy, th the problem with conspiracy theories is that just like we were, la we were laughing about it, but yeah. the absence of, of information about right. it proves it. To them. Right. Like, so you can be like, oh, look, look, I mean, we did all this, this clinical research that shows there's no microchips small enough to, well, of course they wouldn't even have that out in public. So it's like, you can't use from and information right. to disprove it it only proves it farther right yeah and, and that's you know that's part of the problem with some with these mindsets is you can't disprove it with it's like the flat earthers like i don't understand how in this day and age where we have satellite images of the planet they're fake they made them on photoshop in flat earth like have you like it's it's not it's not even today it's not that hard to travel far enough in the studio in the studio right <laughs> like you yeah, can take a boat right now and take a few week trip and mm -hmm. find out whether there's an end or not like it's not it's not the you know it's not the 1100s right <laughs> so yeah. it's, i don't understand how people are still able to cling to these ideas in the face of you know all, the, all the all the well, all the tools insurmountable facts and right. information that says it's not true but then they still cling to it and i think that something this like like that's that's one side of you know we have these conspiracy theories and the way that people think, but I also think it was kind of a failure on the scientific community um, and and kind of being a part of that. I I think that we haven't done a really good job of educating people like you guys were talking about in your classrooms and stuff how science works and how um, you know research works and how um, how we take what we know and turn that into you know scientific theories. I think that the scientific community has not done a great job of making science accessible to everybody because a lot of the stuff that was happening during COVID, um, they would release in these scientific papers and the scientific papers are fantastic. I've read more scientific papers this year since COVID started than I did in college and I'm just eating it up. I love this stuff. 
But even as someone that has a science degree, it takes me a little bit to read a scientific paper and there's hard academic language in it. There's hard concepts. Yeah. There's yeah. Um, a, a, a joy-filled recreational read. They are not. <laughs> right. I think they are, but that's only because I love <laughs> it. Because that's your thing. Because that's your thing. That's my thing, right? And I, I have some of the academic. I'm not saying this is to be like, oh, I'm so smart. I have science degree or whatever. But like, I think that science has kind of made itself unaccessible mm -hmm. to people that ha didn't study it. Right. because of the way that we publish data and i think that there is a long way to go in the scientific community to kind of take what we learn like the science that we report and turn that into something that yeah, you know, average joke can that, read that, and that exactly. comes that comes from the same that came comes from the same issue of the western mindset because mm -hmm. it's not just science it's every academic community yeah they gig, they gig off of using big words and sounding really law. smart and being esteemed right. for that. When in reality, what what is funny is because what science has shown us intellectually is that the simpler you can make something, the better you understand it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. in, in fact, they're actually disproving how good they are by using all this big language and and technical jargon that makes it inaccessible to the average person. And the then same issue have, in theology. Tommy was talking about how he, he tried to read Mark Driscoll's book. Oh, uh, and he's just like it, it reads like it reads like a you know PhD right textbook. It's same like, with it's Dallas Willard. Impossible Willard. to understand what they're talking about because they write to they it, and with the scientific community they know that mm -hmm. only other scientists are going to read yeah. this yeah. or they're hoping yeah. that only other scientists will will will, will read this musicians they're journals, writing to the intellect instead of writing to the right. heart they're they don't want anybody else to grasp this because of I the don't think it's not necessarily they don't want them to grasp it i yeah. think that in order to explain their research and and scientists get really excited about their research that's like their yeah. baby that's like their life's work yeah. um and so they want to fully explain it in a way where it's describing all of the nuances and all of yeah. the the little things they do and so i don't necessarily think that it's you know scientists only want science to read it because that can kind of feed into the conspiracies of oh they don't want us to know these things yeah. that's i don't think that's it at all i think that scientists get really excited about their work and they're really passionate about what they know and what they're learning yeah. that they want to explain it in the in the nitty gritty details but there's nobody there to take the nitty gritty details and, and make it, it so average joe can know it and i wish That's there what... was kind of like an intermediary like job position at you yeah. know colleges or something where they take what scientists do and they go okay i'm going to read this and kind of do a summary and so like i was just thinking ruby you just start a website where you just like oh God, here's, like, here's the link to the research and here's here's ruthie's two minute explanation okay. that would be so cool because as a teacher that's basically what you have to do right yeah. you, can't, you can't bring this academic college level research yeah. into a high school classroom no right? i can't Especially, just print out the paper and give it to my students and be like here you go read this tell me what it's about like yeah, they'll be like, gonna oh. be like what the heck is this but a lot of times the sensationalized media and stuff, these news articles that come out are because we don't have this person in the middle that says, takes this, this academic research and then makes it so that average joke. So a lot of times it's the media that's trying to interpret right, these results. Right. Yeah. And For example, headline, headline, vaccines cause autism. And they pulled that from an article that showed that one case out of 500,000 right 
Yep. Right. The person got autism, which actually disproves that they cause autism in right. any, you know, appreciable way. But that's but, what's but, happening but right now with the flip-flops. I don't know if you guys are up on, on the vaccine with the AstraZeneca, the AstraZeneca vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the countries in the European Union right now have pulled the AstraZeneca vaccine um, from being distributed because um, there were a couple people that got blood clots from yeah. after they got the vaccine. Um, and so this, I was reading this yesterday, a scientific community had to come together and look at, you know, what are the instances per, you know, 100,000, a million, 10 million people, how many of them are getting blood clots? And let's compare it to the amount of blood clots that are got, that people get in a, in a certain year or whatever. Right. Um, and so they, they came out and they said, we don't think it's the AstraZeneca vaccine. I, we think that this is all coincidental. Right, right. Uh, right. It's yeah. something we're still. If you inoculate the entire population, then you can be like, "Oh my God!" Like f- the 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 vaccine causes five out of every hundred women to get breast cancer. Right. Like that yeah. was the rate before the, the vaccine. Like this is just these are other health problems that already happened. Or <laughs> like I I also have allergies. So one of the really big things that came out at the beginning of the vaccine was that people were having allergic reactions, and so that came out, and I was like no i really want i was so excited about the vaccine like i cried the day i got i was like shaking with excitement um <laughs> just because i'm so excited about the technology they yeah. shoot mrna into my arm like that is so cool a lot of people can, are like That's can you explain that. just and at, after you explain i i wanted to just clarify what i was talking about about not wanting uh people to understand yeah sure the, the data because mm-hmm. i'm super i was ex- talking about mrna last uh last night to a friend because uh, someone explained it to me and i understand it way better but for people that don't um but really quick i was in college studying music and one of my main professors was a juilliard graduate okay this man knew music from the time he was he was a prodigy from the time he was 12 he was already playing in uh uh, theaters in Paris, you know, yeah. classical music. But he was a teacher at my school mm-hmm. because of not Julia, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> of his credentials and because of his knowledge, he was a teacher because of that, not because he could teach. And that happens a lot in, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. in the scientific so, community, right? So he's writing all these papers, and people laud him, but because. But his of students his are like struggling. Right, his students are struggling because he it just comes easy to him. Yeah. He can't explain it. Yeah. Fast forward to somebody like me. Like I did I did well just so I could pass, but I didn't understand music. Yeah. Now that I have an understanding of music, I can I can take what he tried to explain to me and explain it to someone else mm-hmm. on a level where they can grasp you it without all of right. Without <laughs> all of the words why not because it just comes easy to me but because i can see behind the door and i don't have to use the words that only other people that went to juilliard and spent all these years in music um can understand i know those words but i don't have to use them with someone who who doesn't i can just explain it and say here here's here's what it is um Mm -hmm. because we both love it yeah just one of us knows how to better explain it than the than the other. My brother's a great musician. He cannot explain it. He can't break it down. 
because I, and I wonder if that's just well, their get teaching is not their gift. I was knowledge, just going to say, just because, <laughs> just because you're a professor at a college and you're doing all of this research or whatever, doesn't mean you know how to teach it well. And I had several professors in college that I would go to their class and I knew that they were the experts on this, but I would leave class being like, what the heck did they just say? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. My brain is and, still and nuts, yeah. sir. Right. Is like, uh, I watch lots of sci-fi shows. Right and uh, and you know Marvel shows. It's like yeah. I'm watching Agents of Shield right now. They almost always have dope. the geeky science person who will be like, duh, duh, duh. and then they'll have the like the military guy who's not super bright, but he's like the leader and he's like uh, in English. Like right. there's so many always, shows, always, and that's exactly always. what we're talking about. Like you have all this technical knowledge, mm -hmm. but then you you have the general population that needs it to be just because you know yeah. doesn't mean you can teach accessible. Right. Could you explain in the quintessential uh, amazing teacher that you are, <laughs> Virgin, uh, like just basically what MRNAs are and why they're the uh, the essential component in the coronavirus vaccine? Yeah, sure. So mRNA in the most basic terms um, is basically a copy of your of a DNA. It's a copy of a strand of a DNA. Um, and mRNA exists in every living thing that has DNA, that has a cell that multiplies. Um, so this is just ribonucleic acid. This is not deoxyribonucleic. This is messenger ribonucleic acid, uh, acid. So, and basically what happens is the DNA makes a copy of itself. Um, and that's called RNA. The copy is called RNA and they make a special version of RNA that's called messenger RNA that leaves the, the area that, that it's made in and gets transferred into the nucleus or wherever it's gonna go. Gotcha. And that's kind of like the messenger copy of, this is the DNA that you should make for this cell. Uh -huh. So um, scientists, the, genetics is like, oh my gosh, I love genetics. Um, they basically, this is like such new technology for sure. You know, the last 20, 30 years that they've sequenced even the human genome, like all of the DNA in humans. Brown eyes, the green eyes, black all, that hair, kind of stuff. The, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've sequenced every strand of DNA in the human genome only in the last 20, 30 years. Um, so what they basically did was they said, okay, we have a COVID virus um, and we're going to take all of the DNA from the COVID virus and we're going to find the specific section for what they call the spike protein. And that's on the outside of the COVID virus. Mm -hmm. And the spike protein is what allows the virus to attach to the cells in your human body and replicate because viruses can't replicate on their own. They have to attach themselves to another cell in order to be able to replicate. Mm -hmm. So what happens normally if you get COVID, the virus comes into your body, it finds the cells that it wants to hook onto to replicate, and then it starts replicating. So what they did was they took the DNA in a COVID uh, virus, they found the little section that codes for the spike protein and how it makes the spike protein. And it made, the scientists made a messenger RNA section 
for the spike protein. And then what the, they do is they, they mix it up with a whole bunch of other things. Um, they, they actually host it on a, a fat cell. That's how it gets into it. Your body is they put this mRNA onto a fat cell and then that's what gets injected into you. Mm-hmm. And that little section of mRNA, when it's injected into you, it tells your immunity cells, you should start making this because it's mRNA, right? So this is like the little, the little code, the little piece that tells you how to make this. So that gets injected into your body and your immune cells start to make this protein. They start to make the spike protein. And that allows your immune cells to kind of learn what it looks like, learn um, how to recognize it, how to fight it. And so when, after you get vaccinated and you're fully immune, because it takes time for your body to build this immunity and to learn the spike protein, if you get infected with COVID after you've had this vaccine, your cells recognize, oh, this is the spike protein, but they don't recognize the rest of the COVID cell because they don't, they don't have the instructions for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they recognize that as something that they should destroy and shouldn't let have, shouldn't, shouldn't let it grow and everything so that your body starts destroying these COVID uh, viruses because they know the spike protein and they know that it's bad. And that's all in the mRNA code. Um, so basically, wow. it's like this little piece of instructions that get injected into your body that tells your body, hey, this is bad. We got to destroy this. So, so I, and it I basically just is sitting there until it has a job. The mRNA in the vaccine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, and that's kind of why the mRNA vaccines are a big deal right now is that in order for it to stay in a way that can be used by your body, they have to freeze it at super, super, super low temperatures because mRNA is really easy to degrade. It, it falls apart really, really quickly. And that's kind of how it's designed to do. It's, it's designed to be the messenger. And then once it gets to its messenger place, it falls apart and you don't need it anymore. Wow. Um, so they have to freeze it at super low temperatures in order for the mRNA to kind of stay together and not disintegrate. Um, but once it's injected into your body, I know one of the big concerns that people had were like, well, you're injecting this, this whole new piece of DNA. Is it going to change my cells or is it going to stick around in my body? No, it stays in there for just a little bit amount of time, but over a couple hours, it starts to degrade. Um, so eventually your body it, the mRNA in your body goes away. It gets, it degrades, it falls apart. Um, so. And I think, that, one of the, I think one of the key things too, that people have to realize, cause I think this is what it's, they're not injecting the full DNA of the coronavirus in your body. No, just so that the, one the part of the virus that actually does damage mm-hmm. to you is not included in the, in the vaccine. It's no. just that little, the little hook that allows it to connect to and connect replicate in your body. Part. That's the only part that's in the so when they inject you with a vaccine, because you know some people feel sick afterwards. That's your body's immune system reacting as if it was to a virus. It doesn't mean that the coronavirus is in your body. I think a lot of people don't realize that when you get sick, even like not with COVID, if you get a cold, if you get the flu, if you get um, you know a bacterial disease or whatever, that's not the bacteria or the cold or the virus doing that that's your body like the stuffy nose the runny nose the whatever symptom you have that's the result of your body trying to fight it and get rid of it that's not caused by the virus or it's not caused by anything that you're sick from Mm -hmm. that's your body's immunity response to say hey there's an invader here and i'm going to try and fight it and get rid of it yeah 
So when some people get the vaccine and they they don't feel good for a few days afterwards, or like in the case of uh, our aunt, a few days later she got really physically sick. That just that just because people have different levels of immune response. It yeah. sounds sick. Immune system That's like racks up to a thousand and goes really after this real hard and right away you're not going to feel good. Yeah, and it's a good thing. It sucks. Like when I got my first dose, I had a headache for two or three days. Um, and I had some chills. I never had like a fever or anything, but as I wasn't feeling good, I had to keep telling them, this is a good thing. This is showing that the vaccine is working in my body. And this is my body showing our immune response and learning. Cause you can kind of think of it too, as those people that had COVID before they, before we had a vaccine, if you had COVID, you have those antibodies, right? Mm-hmm. But by having COVID and having your immune system learn you know, this is an invader and I got to get rid of it. Your body also learns how to fight it and how to um, get rid of it if it comes around the next time. So when these people have antibodies, that's showing that your body learned how to fight this. Your body has these cells that allows you to, if you got COVID, if you try, if you got sick again, it would know how to fight it because it has these antibody cells. So it's not just learning the spike protein, it's learning how to fight it. Mm. is is that what's so because i don't know what so what's the difference between having antibodies and the and the vaccine well i mean they're still not sure about the vaccine either but this idea that like well the antibodies wear off mm-hmm. after so is are do the antibody is that not a reprogramming of your immune system is that something separate and so the antibodies break down and leave your system after a certain amount of time or yeah like, so that's kind of and they're, they're not sure how long the covid vaccine will provide antibodies for um just like if you get sick with covid you don't have antibodies forever they don't know how long um you'll have antibodies but that's normal like if you get a tetanus tetanus shot you have to get a new tetanus shot every 10 years right yeah. that's because your body the antibodies start to kind of wear off and don't survive and stuff. So um, it's kind of like a booster. They're working on booster vaccines right now for COVID um, because your immune system needs the boost of new antibodies and being able to make those because they don't last forever either. So I hope that kind of explained what's, it. What's the difference between that and like the polio vaccine? Yeah, so that's a really good question that I don't actually know the answer to. And I think a lot of people going back to kind of science and stuff, a lot of people are scared to say, I don't know the answer to that. Um, And becoming a teacher, I had to kind of learn to be okay to say, I don't know the answer to that. Let me look it up. Um, Because kids ask a lot of questions that I don't know the answer to. Um, But I would think that it's all how well the immune system learns the antibodies but also with polio, we were able to vaccinate enough of the population that polio is not really a big thing anymore because right. we got herd immunity, right? We all talk mm-hmm. about herd immunity with COVID and everything. Enough of the population is vaccinated against polio that even if your booster wears off, even if your immunity wears off, there's not really people being infected with polio. Right. So you're not going to get sick from it because it's not spreading. Right, right. So it's, it's, it's possible that, like, if you had direct contact with the polio virus, you could still get it. But by vaccinating everybody and now several generations, yeah, it, there's just none of it out there in the public. I mean, there's a few. Yeah. And that's actually a really good question. I'll have to look and see how long immunity for polio with the vaccine um, works. 
So. That's so crazy. Uh, I, you put my mind at ease. Oh, good. And, and I hope you put a, a whole a whole lot of the folks that 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 listening that are listening their minds at ease too, and and helped them to be more because we are human, and people they don't they don't want to admit it in public, but they have questions oh, in yeah. private. They have oh, questions in private and they and they're afraid to ask in public, especially in the Christian community, they're afraid to ask in public. And I hope this set their mind at ease to just I be like, I can ask these questions. I don't have to, I don't have to, this doesn't have to affect my relationship with God, that I have questions and oh, that yeah. I, and and that science and God can be reconciled and that God, the study of science is the study of the creator. And as you're studying the creator, you're going to get to know the creator even more. Yeah. And I want to add on top of it with the, a lot of the, the questions about the mRNA vaccine is this is new, right? Yeah. And it's new in the sense that we've never really had a widespread everybody on earth getting this kind of technology vaccine, but this is not the first mRNA vaccine. They've actually developed it yeah. for Ebola. They've developed it for um, one of the other, uh, I think it was SARS two mm -hmm. or SARS one or something. Yep. Um, this is not a new technology that like they decided, okay, we're going to make these and now we're going to try them on humans for a year. And if they work like, cool, here you go. Here's your new vaccine. This has been in development for 10 to 15 years and they've used it in different viruses and they're, they're using it for breast cancer research. They're using it for, um, hopefully development of an AIDS vaccine, HIV AIDS. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of other areas of science and areas of health that they've used this vaccine for. This is just the first widespread everybody is getting in. Like you go to the doctor's office and you get it. Yeah. Um, this, this, the only thing that's new about it is that it's being offered to the whole population. This right. is not a new technology or a new vaccine. Yeah. Um, they've used it for other viruses and stuff. So. Which of course, and, and again, like we said, that's going to lend itself to some sensationalist headlines because when you are offering when you're vaccinating the entire population millions mm -hmm. and tens of millions and hundreds of millions of people there's going to be other health issues that pop up that people are going to want to associate with the right. the, the vaccine yeah when in reality they're occurring at the same level they always occurred mm -hmm. at, right because like you could apply to anything like oh my god the vaccine causes car right. accidents like <laughs> oh, like dude was driving dumb it had nothing to do with the vaccine like or maybe his arm was sore because the vaccine but like but again but like we have to be aware that our news sources even the most reliable ones are not immune to yeah the the low-hanging fruit of the sensational headline mm -hmm. because the that bias that you're talking about there so. they have their own bias of they want clicks that's money right yeah. that is money coming in from every advertisement from every click and so while there's a balance of you want the news and you want it to be reported well, but there's always going to be this bias of a whoever's writing it. You know, everyone has a bias. Everyone has a um, kind of their own lens that they view the world from. So you have to think about the bias of the person that's writing it. And you also have to think about the bias of the organization. What do they want? What yeah. is what is their goal? Um, and so I actually I teach my kids a lot about this. Look at your sources. Look at things from multiple sources. Look at the bias. 
and look at how credible the sources are. And that was a big thing during COVID was that people would share what they think or whatever science they wanted to, to believe in. And they would, you would say like, okay, cite your sources. And you had to really, really look at the sources that people were presenting because there were a lot of sources coming from, you know, QAnon or whatever, yeah. you know, media that it was and people would believe it, but it's looking at, at it from a credible source background. You were like, no, this is a YouTube video. Like, this is not a credible some story. Doctor, some doctor who runs a small clinic in Texas who right also be like show me the scientific. Yeah. I had to be being like show me the scientific paper that says this, or show me the news article and let me go find the link to the scientific paper. Which is important yeah. for the scientific methods too. Like your yeah. your results will only be as good as your source. Yep, exactly. You, know, you were t if you're testing something and you don't have a pure sample, then your results are going to be skewed. So like it's all important to verify, you know, and, and I think what I would say is, is like you said, Tommy, there's a lot yeah. of people who have questions that they just have been unwilling to acknowledge. And, and from my standpoint is you can't, you can't wish away doubt. No, you can't. And I think no. that what happened is in this, I mean, <laughs> we talked about some, this is really the point, the essence of the whole podcast is we know that people have these questions. We know people are dealing with these cultural issues, but the church has taught people that they can't engage it. And so what happens is you you think that by not engaging your questions that you're keeping your faith strong. I, I would say you're actually keeping your faith weak. I agree. Because if you 100%. never deal with that, then that question doesn't leave your head. It doesn't leave your heart. You know, if you if you have not done the putting the time to reconcile your faith in the word of God versus what science says about uh, creation and the the and where it all came from then you're walking through life with that handicap in your faith. Mm -hmm. You're just not willing to admit it. You're not willing to acknowledge it. We just, we just had last week, we just had uh, the Matsons on again, talking yeah. about mental health. That's the same as if, remember they said the trauma can lead you to be a victim or an overachiever. Right. So you can be an overachiever and you can have all the success and you can think everything is cool. But okay. at some point that trauma catches up with you That's and right. it all blows up. Cause it's like, still there. Yeah. And it's like, so deal. <laughs> The, I think what the thing is, and the point I try to make in the book is, truth is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Science yeah. is the, the pursuit of finding truth about creation. Theology is the pursuit of finding truth about God. That verse in Romans chapter one actually tells us that they're one in the same. Mm -hmm. And so we, like, we don't have to be afraid of science. We don't have to be afraid of asking questions. Just because a scientist finds something and then makes a deduction that is anti-Christianity doesn't mean we don't have to accept the deduction. Yeah. We can look at the truth of what they found and we can discover things about God. We well, not only that, but I think it's important that people, I think it's important that people don't just like something comes out and they say, well, that's not Christianity. I don't accept it. Do your research, go find out why he said what he said and go find out what, and ask the question, why is this against Christianity? Because yeah. I think nine out of 10 times, it's not against Christianity. Nope. It's against what people have heard about Christianity or, or they don't you. understand yeah. the science. Yeah. Like because yeah. people think that all scientists are atheists. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, it's all, they've almost become this little boogeyman and their entire <laughs> lives are dedicated to trying to uncover evidence that will disprove uh, that God is real, which I, I, I really uh, uh, appreciate a few weeks ago, we had my friend Jesse Hart on and he was like, you know, I was an atheist. He's like, I've come to the realization that the best 
I can be is a, a, a an agnostic because mm-hmm. there's no proof either way. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I think if any if people are honest, that is the, the best anyone could ever That's be. The best. Like you can't you can't really scientifically be an atheist because there's right. no proof either way, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. and so it's just like, but but again, truth is truth, and I think like we pointed out, especially recently, but it's been for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Christianity has increasingly had a very complicated and even negative relationship with truth because we've we've in 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 a in a in a, rea- really in a reactionary protectionary way yeah. right. we have insulated the truth of our faith mm-hmm. from any other truth mm-hmm. because we're afraid that that truth is going to say something about this but if but truth is truth yeah. right yeah. It's like, i think the funny thing is correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like and i've heard uh other theologians and and spiritual leaders say this um that the reason that is could possibly be because people have based their salvation on the bible mm-hmm. their relationship with jesus their yeah. 100%. knowledge instead right. of the relationship right yep and if you take the bible from them they don't have a leg to stand on yeah like yeah. jesus their relationship with jesus isn't enough yeah you know what i'm saying if jesus loved you when you were like that you can daggone ask them if evolution is actually what is it true you can say well i i think i believe dinosaurs actually had feathers and then turned into birds oh my gosh have you said that they have this technology now that they can look at the fossils and they can look at the filaments and the cells and they can take a fossil and figure out what color the feather was back then Girl. This signal, it just blows my mind. It is so cool. Yeah, yeah. it's I, funny because they're they're discovering the dinosaurs probably didn't look anything like what we thought. What they we, looked yeah, like. T-Rex might have had They're gonna have to redo Jurassic Park. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but Disney's gonna redo it because they're gonna be all colorful and. Feminine. Oh no! <laughs> like, oh, T-Rex. Didn't they do that? And didn't they do that? And up, like they had dinosaurs and up, but they're all like feathery and bird-like. And, I think and so. Pretty and. and uh, and uh, all, all the little girls will be happy. It'll be the little right. girls who are into, into dinosaurs more than the boys now. Right. New Halloween costumes. Yeah, all T Rex will, will have feathers. Yay. A purple plume. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank yeah. you so much for coming here. Thank you for remembering yeah, that no, she... no, this, this was good. Oh, thank you. I got to talk about science and faith and geek out about things. And I you just might have to have her on again, like oh, as a development sure, of, uh, of, the, of the vaccine come out more and also like that. Cause um, this, this was a great conversation. This is a great conversation and I'm so grateful that you helped clarify some things yeah and help help people that were having maybe having a, a hard time reconciling science and and faith um because there's a verse that says um god is the same yesterday today and forevermore and people mm-hmm. people don't know how to reconcile that with science yeah they don't understand who god really is and you you mentioned it earlier it's their relation their relationship will benefit the deeper they go in trying to find out who God is. Paul said it, many people have said it, but if they understand, yeah, he's the same yesterday, day, forever, that's his love for humanity. Yeah. Love for humanity will never change. Yeah. But 
if they read scripture, they see that how he did that changed. So how are you going to reconcile that? Because yeah. before we had to kill stuff. <laughs> then Jesus came. We don't have to kill things anymore. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that changed. But his heart, who he, the essence of who he is, his love has not changed for yeah. us. And in that love, yeah. um, he's not afraid yeah. of our yeah. having questions. And the, the idea that we could actually know him without the testimony of Come Christ. Come on. The creation, there's creation actually enough in creation it, right? to teach us about God's uh, character. Should motivate all of us to 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 dive into more science. You can't and, go. You can't the go on a hike. Of the you know what would be to teach a science class in the church? Like I would be all over that. Like, oh my oh, God. how cool would that be? Oh my Ruthie, goodness, Ruthie, you might you might end up. Uh, I, I didn't get myself into something. Traveling. <laughs> traveling speaking that would be such a cool thing to do because i know this guy locally and he does this thing where like he uh he's a big proponent of like reading the word but from the standpoint of it being like a story yeah he talks about how like you like when you're reading a story you don't read it the same way people read the bible and he yeah has whole chapters of the bible memorized and he and he presents it almost in a whoa way and so so it's real it's like it's like oh wow we just went on through the whole book of matthew and it was just it was riveting and yeah. Like, oh wow! Like ha- having a science teacher going around and doing seminars, where it's like, let's talk about how science and God relate. You know, Carol. Cool. Have you heard of Carolyn Leaf, Doctor Carolyn Leaf? No. She's the brain. She does a lot of study on the brain, mm-hmm. how uh, it makes us who we are today. Um, and she follows a lot of uh, what trauma does, what uh, what different things do to the brain and creates highways. She doesn't say muscle memory. She says highways. It creates new highways and pathways. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she, she's a believer and she goes around talking about how God made it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It would be no different than you traveling and saying, this is how science, science and God have a unique relationship that we can all benefit. I don't know how you don't look at science and you, I mean, part of it is, is I, I've studied it a lot. But every time I study it and every time I learn something new, I don't, there's no way for me to not say, wow, God, this is amazing. Like, there's no way for me to not say, this is how you created it. That's incredible. Like, just the intricacies of how it all works just continually points to God and continually, there's no other way that we don't have for me to make, for all this to actually happen. For it to not be an intelligent creator. Yeah. Come on, Ruthie. Don't know any other way Mm -hmm. for it to have all, you know, got the get the ball rolling and not have this system of this is how the world works. And this is God, you know, being the puppeteer and and setting these systems into motion. And Jesse's excited. Jesse's excited. His legs are shaking. (laughs) You're making him excited. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah that's that's where i would get with atheists like you know you if you guys break down the numbers it takes way more faith to believe that this all happened by happenstance right than to believe in god and, and i my specialty is biology like that's that was my degree that's what i studied but even just recently um they needed a physics teacher and i was like all right here we go i don't know anything about this but here we go i'm gonna teach this um, and a lot of physics classes talk about the Big Bang and they talk about the origins of the universe, which, again, is something along with evolution that pe- that Christians kind of think, oh, there's no way that this, you know, God created the heaven and the earth. 
Um, there was no such thing as the, but I don't know how you study a supernova or how you study an exploding star or uh, a nebula or clouds of, you know, dust swirling around in the universe and think, you know, this is just happening on its own. This is incredible stuff that how the planets were formed and how yeah. stars explode and how the sun works and all sorts of that stuff. Yeah. It, again, it, it all continually, to me, points to God being the intelligent creator that set all of this into motion. Yeah, yeah. Like, how did the, where did the laws of physics come from that made all this work? Like, and that's always my thing with atheism. I'm like, okay, okay, Big Bang, cool. How did it start? Like, yeah. no, if you go all the way back to the beginning, no atheist can get around the logical fallacy that at some point something came from nothing, yeah. and that's not supposed to be possible. So yeah. if you can believe in that supernatural moment, then then questions of well, when did God start? Well, when did the universe start? It's the same question. Yeah. You just like, go back and we, back we have and the back. Same holes in our ideas. It's we're not really that far from each other. And again, like we said, I mean, outside of believing in Christ and miracles, which is hard for some people, especially if they're logical and science based, it's hard to believe mm -hmm. in supernatural stuff. But again, but if you can believe in that supernatural thing, then why can't you believe in this one? Mm -hmm. But other than that, like we said, the only real bone picking is the the six day creation yeah, story. That's right. Yeah. Nothing else really contradicts anything in science. In fact, like we talked about with the Levitical law and stuff, a lot of science has has supported and proved a lot of things God was teaching people who, if they were making it up, would have had no way of knowing or understanding to come up with rules like that. Yeah, they had no reason. Exactly. None of the other people groups around them were doing that. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand how these things work, but God did, but he didn't explain it. He just told them what to do and what not to do. Yeah. Exactly. So I yeah, it. I I love it. I love I'm it. glad that you're so passionate about it, Ruthie. And and yeah, I, this was this was great. And I hope people are going to come out of this not only less afraid of science, right, but actually excited maybe to go and learn some things right. and let that illuminate to them the character of their creator. Yeah. And that it's okay to ask questions. In fact, like we said, I mean, we didn't look up the verses, but you can find them. God wants us to look, search yeah. the mystery. He yeah. wants us to be so in, so excited about relationship with him that we want to, just like when you first get to know somebody who you ever, you know, you're going to fall in love with, you want to know everything about them. That's right. You want to yeah. spend time with them. You want to have dinner with them every mm -hmm. night and learn about their life story and learn yeah. what they like and what they don't like so that you can buy them the perfect gift for their birthday mm -hmm. and all this kind of like, that's how God wants us to be excited about him. Mm -hmm. He wants us to be searching him out and searching him out doesn't just happen in scripture. There's the, all of his creation testifies. I want to know more about God because I want to know more about how he made the world work. Yeah. Like Ruthie, where can people, where can people get in touch with you? Like you're, oh, yeah. if they have any more questions after listening to this, they might have some questions that pop up. How can they, Definitely. how can they reach you? Um, well, so all, all of my social media pro profiles are on private because, uh, I teach teenagers and <laughs> good very wise uh, i don't want teenagers necessarily creeping in on you know my husband and i's date um but right. even if they're on private they can totally send me a message uh, over you know twitter instagram facebook any of my profiles and um while i'm on private i can still see that people message me and i can respond um so my instagram and my twitter handles are ruthie christine all one word together first mm -hmm. name middle name um and i am on facebook if you just search ruthie smith um, it should hopefully pop up. Um, I mean, I could give out my email address. Is that weird? Is that too much? To <laughs> I mean, if you feel comfortable, yeah, that's, that's fine. 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's Ruthie Smith at spu.edu, all one word again. Um, but I, I love answering people's questions. And a lot of times people ask, well, where else can I look? Where else can I find sources and stuff? I love sending people sources and I love sharing um, academic research and things like that. So totally, if people want to shout out and ask me questions, they totally can. Yeah. Um, I just want people to come away with the idea that science is not out to get Christianity. Science is not out to prove Christianity wrong. Um, and I, I think it's the opposite. I think science, science is out there to help support this idea that God created the world and he set these systems in motion. Yeah. And it's all a beautiful part of who God is. So. Yeah. Girl, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I, I love every podcast we do. But this was this was really good. Yeah, we've been I some really, really good, I really appreciate we've had this. We got some solid guests this for season. sure. Like <laughs> for really, sure. really good. I've been having fun for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, see you, Ruby. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture.